Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walatowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about Justice Brett Kavanaugh. So grab your paired vote and let's get civical. Just hit it. Hit it and quit it. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we are. Here we actually are. Am I here? Are you here? No. You think your physical body is in the space? Is it? I've lost touch with my physical body over the past 36 hours. Oh, my God. I, guys, just to sort of leave you in on where I'm at, I'm fully recovering from food poisoning. Like, like poison is like food murder. (laughs) That's what I'm recovering from. I was absolutely food aggression. Food assault. <laughs> I was body slammed to the ground by whatever I ate. And it was a humbling evening for me. And it sounds like it was from like a nice restaurant, not it like was, a chain. Nope. It was it was from an it was from a highly respected place. I don't remember the name. It doesn't matter. It's just like all, like there's no reason that this should have happened. I took all the precautions. <laughs> I didn't eat. It's not like I ate something new. I all don't right. try new foods. Everybody knows this. I, you know, I'm not an adventurous eater. It was something that I always order, and it fully came back. Oh and my god! Me. Um, so so yeah, have I lost my body weight? Yes. You yes. do look amazing. Thank you for saying that. I'm glowing. Yeah. Um, I did. I, think I was it's the sweat. It. I was able to shower, which was shocking, but I wasn't able to like like dry my hair and I just like showered and then like laid back down in bed. So I, I do still look like a mess, but I am clean. I so appreciate I am, that. Thank you. Like, look, it's the small victories. Mm-hmm. It's, honestly, that's what I've learned over the past 36 hours is it's the small victories. It's the small victories in you life. Know? It's the making it to the toilet. Well, it's like, it's going, it's, it's, it's going to the bathroom and it's, Oh, it's just number one. <laughs> it's just number one. <laughs> it's a gentle number one. It's your body's doing what it's supposed to do. You know, instead like instead of having to alternate between vomiting and shitting yourself <laughs> very politely, my body was like, and now and on the one and now the two. <laughs> it was it was humbling, humbling. Um, I feel like this is a pretty fucking decent segue into our topic. I it couldn't is... I couldn't be at the you be- I meant the best place possible to talk about what we're talking about today. Genuinely. We have been anticipating this moment because simply we have to talk about yes. it. 
we've we've set the stage for ourselves. We've put us in a predicament where we simply have to cover the topic at hand. We do. And guys, you just you just know that we're going to do our best and and we hope that you just go gently with us on this journey. But today we're continuing our SCOTUS biopic, biopic, you tell me, journey by talking about Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh, Brett yeah. Kavanaugh. What's to say about old Brett? Um, uh, my first note is, oh, I don't want to do this. Okay. <laughs> that is the first note on my note page. Okay. Let's not looking let, forward, not looking forward. Let's but just here we go. jump right in tell me. to his early life. So Brett Michael Kavanaugh. It's like, of course, his middle name Brett is Michael. Michael. Brett Michael Catholic. Kavanaugh. Oh, he's Catholic. He is Catholic. That's such a Catholic Don't jump name. ahead I'm sorry. of my I notes. Won't read. I won't read. I won't read. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that, like, that was the biggest spoiler. <laughs> I was I was holding that in my back pocket for fun facts. For fun facts. Fun facts. Fun he's, facts. Catholic. he's Catholic. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, no, Brett Kavanaugh was born in Washington, D.C. on February 12th, 1965. So he is 55 years old. He he's, just had a birthday. He just have a birthday. He's also one of the youngest. I yeah. don't know who's younger, him or Neil Gorsuch, because I don't remember. But they are both on the younger side of things. Yeah. His parents are Martha and Everett Kavanaugh. Martha was a judge and prosecutor. Everett was a president of a trade organization. So I kind of see, I kind of see where a lawyer came out of this. Yeah, I see. Like the, I see like, the you know, lineage happening. Yeah, I see it. He was born in D.C. What the hell else was he supposed to I be? Say, uh, legally, if you're born in D.C., you have to go into law. You have to go into law. Sorry, I don't make the rules. Read the Constitution. Okay. He is married with two children, and as Arden has already spoiled for us, so is sorry. a Roman Catholic. The night. There are a couple of Catholics. There's a couple of Catholics on the, on the bench. bench. Yeah. Which, like, you know, in omni patri fili spiritu sante. You know what I mean? Yes. Sorry, that was Latin. Praise when, what happens when you get food poisoning is you learn Latin. <laughs> when I was just lying on the floor uh, wanting to die, I was like, maybe I should just take up a dead language. Dead language. <laughs> I am dead. That I can use in the afterlife when mm. I'm dead. <laughs> Listen, you'll be able to speak to Jesus, no problem. Hey, and that's the only person I'm wanting to chat with. Okay. The, his education. Um, he went to Georgetown Preparatory School, as apparently did Neil Gorsuch. Interesting, according to SCOTUS oh blog. God, were they classmates? I don't think so, because I do think they're different in age. But I apparently they both went there. That's it's so very exciting. Exciting. He received his BA from Yale, graduating in 1987, magna cum laude. He received his Juris Doctorate from Yale, graduating in 1990. So a Yale man, as I've ever seen one. Through and through. Through and through. And now his road to SCOTUS, which is going to seem very familiar. Everything about him is familiar until it's not. Okay. Yeah. So from after graduating, 1990 to 1991, he was a law clerk to Judge Walter Stapleton of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit. I should also say this like timeline I'm saying is coming directly from CNN. Thank you. Mm. From 1991 to 1992, he clerks for Judge Alex Kaczynski of the yep. U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. So he starts in the appellate court, which is interesting. Then from 92 to 93, he is an attorney with the Solicitor General's Office at the Department of Justice. Interesting. And then... From 93 to 94, he serves as a law clerk to Justice Anthony Kennedy. Who is that who he replaced? I think so. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Kennedy was like, Kennedy actually, retired. I'm not going to do this anymore. Right, he retired. And you were like, uh, Anthony. You're like, we were not expecting. <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> Hold on. Can you give us like a six months notice next yeah. time? Thank you. Um, yeah, so he 
So that's, you know, now we see clerking for a Supreme Court justice. It's just a couple of years later than our other friends usually do it. Right. Because, you know, some people, like, yes, slacker, honestly, who honestly cares? Okay. From 94 to 97 and also in 1998, he was an associate counsel for Kenneth Starr's independent counsel for the Whitewater investigation, which led to the impeachment of Bill Clinton. Okay. So, like, how do you, like, do you interview for that job? Like, how, you know what I mean? How do you pick your people? How do you pick, I I assume they, like, go and pick people, right? Like, you're not just like, hey, hey, uh, Kenneth, I want to be on, I want to be on your counsel, you know? Right, right, right. There's no, like, you know, like job well, posting. Board no, Kenneth like, was just like, I want Brett. Yeah. I want Brett on my Brett. team. I want Brett and Michael Kavanaugh on my side. Yeah. So he he's on the Whitewater investigation. We love to see it. And then from 97 to 98 and 1999 to 2001, he goes into private practice and is a partner like at you do. Kirkland and Ellis in Washington. I like how everybody dabbles in private practice, probably to just like get a ton of money. Oh, yeah. Because, like, right? You make a ton of money, right? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, especially Nobody's with his background. Me. Like, he can charge a pretty penny. Right. Well, sure. And makes and makes some dough. But, like, what is... This is what I don't understand. Like, what is the most impressive thing on this list? Like, what do you lead with? You know? I mean, so far of the things we've read, I would say clerking for Justice Anthony Kennedy. Okay. Like, that would... Right? I don't know. I, don't, I would think I don't, so. I, I, that's true, though. I don't. I don't know enough about like the status of these things yeah if somebody knows what's more important call me and and tell me because i'm just curious like what like right you have to put something at the top of your resume right is it the clerking or is it the the investigation of you know bill clinton bill clinton right <laughs> it depends on i guess it depends on who you're interviewing for that's true you know maybe he has like a law clerk resume like i have you know, like an audio resume. I have like an assistant resume. Sure. Like maybe he's got like a law clerk resume and a, an investigator. A, a, a investigator resume. Sure. <laughs> okay. So into the early 2000s, he's a yep. partner at, at this firm in Washington. We'd love to see it. Great. So then from 2001 and 2003, he serves as associate counsel to and then senior associate counsel to President George W. Bush. Okay, so that's I mean that's pretty that's pretty high up. I was like it's interesting. I didn't know that like justices generally work for a president before they like that's I a didn't common know that thing. Either. Yeah, but it is. But it's totally been a thing. I mean, yeah. I feel like ha- half more yeah. than half. Yeah, so five <laughs> have done something like this for and some they president. To, they tend to do more like serving of the president than serving of like a legislator yeah. or, or a legislative. Well, it's body. all counsel because some of lawyers. them have done that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. So in uh, July 25th, 2003, Bush, W. Bush, nominates Kavanaugh to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit, but the Senate doesn't vote on Kavanaugh's nomination for almost three years. Sure. Yeah. We've seen that before. So from in that time, from July 2003 to May 2006, he serves as assistant and staff secretary to Bush. And that's an interesting position for somebody with, like, a doctorate of law to be a staff secretary. Yeah. But I guess like what's he gonna do? I mean, he's like waiting for his nominee his confirmation. Yeah. You know, I you guess gotta like, you gotta well, keep busy. We you know, they could call you at any time. Yeah. I'm guessing that like, you know, we'll just we'll just keep you around. We'll give you a desk. We'll give you a desk. We'll give you a desk and you can, yeah. you know, like 
We'll, we'll Ivanka Trump you. We'll right. give you an office we'll, get, we'll find something somewhere. for you to do. Yeah. Yeah. So finally, on May 26, 2006, the Senate confirms Kavanaugh to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals by a vote of 57 to 36. Not very popular, but mm-hmm. more popular than I think his next uh, confirmation will be. And then on July 9th, 2018, President Donald Trump announces Kavanaugh as his nominee to fill the Supreme Court vacancy created by Kennedy's retirement. So the timeline is pausing here because now we're going to switch gears and talk about Dr. Christy Blasey Ford Hmm. because I just felt like we should. So this is what I could find. It's it's interesting. I I don't think you can talk about Brett Kavanaugh without talking about Christy Blasey Ford. It would be like talking about Clarence Thomas and not talking about Anita. Yeah. And I was just sort of like doing these notes being like, I actually don't want to give all the space to him. I'm going to give some space to her because that's how I'm going to do it because this is our podcast. There you go. So it's what's, what is interesting about Dr. Ford is that there's not a ton of like personal information about her. So yeah. I'm just sort of giving basic facts because I feel like why, you know, I don't wanna, like, we want to like put her on blast. Right. Yeah. So this is just what we know. Her early life. So she grew up in Washington, D.C. and attended Holton Arms School for Girls and Bas- mm. How do you say that? Bethesda. Bethesda. I don't like the T-H and the S next to each other. Bethesda. Bethesda, Bethesda, Maryland, which is where the incident um, occurred that we will talk about in a second. Her personal life, she is married with two two children and lives in Palo Alto, but apparently has had to move post the hearings. Her education, which is actually very impressive. She received her undergraduate from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. She received her master's degree from Stanford and Pepperdine University, wow. and she received her PhD from the University of Southern California. Get it. So she is, how we would say, a smart lady. She is smart and accomplished. And as for her professional career, this is coming directly from NPR. I will say from who in just one second. From Meg Anderson at NPR. Thank you, Meg. Ford is a professor and research psychologist in Northern California at Palo Alto University and the Stanford University Consortium, a clinical psychology program where she teaches statistics, research methods, and psychometrics. Ooh, what's psychometrics? I have no earthly idea. I'm so interested. You can be taught it. I'm so interested in that. I wonder if it's like how you measure psychology. Maybe. Who's to say? Who's to say? She has been widely published in her field, and according to a 2016 book she co-authored, her consultation area of expertise is the interaction between pharmaceutical companies and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Whoever becomes president should put her in charge of something. Sure. Something in that field. Yeah. Let's elevate her up. Yeah. And like, I, yes. Yes. So I just like to give space because this is not like... Not that you should have to be, like, a highly educated, well-decorated person to be believed, but, like, come on, you know? Right. Like, there's a, there's a lot at stake for her, right? is what I will say. So, with that said, we're back on the timeline, and we're talking about Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hearing. Just stay with us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... On September 4th through the 7th of 2018, confirmation hearings are held. A Senate Judiciary Committee vote is tentatively slated for the week of September 17th. On September 16th, 2018, the Washington Post publishes an article about a California psychology professor who accuses Kavanaugh of attempting to rape her 
when they were both teenagers at a house party during the early 1980s. Christine Blasey Ford says she initially sent her letter to Senator Dianne Feinstein about the incident when Kavanaugh's name was included on a short list for the Supreme Court. So at some point between July and September. Yeah. Dr. Ford sent this. She was trying. I remember the coverage of this because she was like, I just I I felt like I had to tell somebody and I didn't know who to tell. Yeah. Like, I didn't know who. Yeah. Like, who do you tell about something like this? And so she tried to go. I thought she initially. Yeah, she went to the senator and then Mm -hmm. she ended up going to her congressperson. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And she also went to the press and there was and then the people were like, well, why did you go to the press? Don't you want fame? And she was like, no, I just felt like somebody had to know and I didn't know what to do yeah like how do you whistleblow if you don't know who you're supposed to totally blow to yeah I mean like yeah that's <laughs> such a great way to put it really <laughs> um, thank you very much yeah yeah. That, yeah so that was on September 16th and this is again like right before that they're supposed to vote on the on his the the judiciary committee is supposed to vote right Then on September 23rd, 2018, The New Yorker magazine publishes a report about a second allegation of sexual misconduct, prompting Feinstein to call for a postponement of confirmation proceedings. The magazine article centers on a college classmate from Yale, Deborah Ramirez, who says Kavanaugh exposed himself to her while a group of students were drinking at a party in a dorm during the 1983-1984 academic year. Kavanaugh denies the allegation and White House spokeswoman dismisses the claim as uncooperated it's interesting to me because it's like Mm. if you tell me that and this is a generalization but like sorry i'm recovering from food poisoning like if you tell me that some law dude in the 80s at yale is drunk and shows his penis to somebody i'm like yeah Mm -hmm. you have to i have to like but like history corroborates that (laughs) (laughs) like i don't (laughs) I'm just like, it's uncooperated. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, right. look at the look at the problematic culture that we live in. Like, what? Right. And it was funny that, I mean, it's not funny, but the pushback from some people were like, well, these they were young kids and they just, they were, it was a sure. long time ago and they yeah. were, you know, they were children or young adults or not children, but like, you know, teenagers, adolescents, like people do stupid things. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I am... I spent a lot of time in my adolescence with guys who, like I did theater. I, yeah. you know, like we just didn't, it would have been anathema for one of them to like pull out a dick. Like sure. that's so, Oh sure. Like just at a party. Like that's not normal. Like yeah. the idea that there's like, this is just what boys do and boys will be boys. That's the problem. Oh, for sure. If that is how you feel about the situation, that's not how boy, that's not a, a an appropriate way for boys to act. B you're just, demeaning boys in general because boys shouldn't do that thing i don't like whip out a titty you don't you famously have yet to, to whip, whip out, out a titty, titty. <laughs> not not a once has it happened and we've spent a lot of time together it's true you know true yeah i it, it's it's such an i think uh a problematic argument of like well should something that somebody did when they were you know let's say 16 uh ruin a professional chance's a professional chance for them, you know, 40 years later. And I'm just sort of like, well, if it's a crime, yeah. Right. Probably if it's a crime and we're looking at a lifetime appointment of something. Right. Yeah, probably, yeah. I just, it's like, I don't know. It's just the lack of, it's this problematic culture of like, well, if it's happened an X amount of time ago, 
then because you didn't report it right away, it's no, it no longer carries weight or, va- or validity. Right. Because you waited so long to talk about it. Right. When really, if she had said something at the time, what would have happened? Probably nothing. Literally nothing. Literally nothing. And it's not like she's saying, I want to take him to court for this thing. She's saying, you guys should know. You guys should know that this is the type of person that mm-hmm. he is. This is a lifetime appointment. And I don't, as somebody who experienced this from him. Yeah. And she works, she's a, she works in psychology. Like she knows that this when stuff like this happens at a young age, it becomes, it's part of a larger pattern. Yeah. Right? Like, people don't just stop behaving like, I mean, you can. People yeah. can stop behaving like assholes. But generally, that behavior is indicative of, like, larger things in a per- in somebody's personality. Sure. And, sure. you know, like, she doesn't, clearly she doesn't talk to Brett Kavanaugh or, like, hadn't talked to him in some time. But, like, that is something that, like, like I'm glad that she came forward and sure. we know that something happened. Sure, absolutely. I also, uh, so I watched her full confirmation and, uh, and or not confirmation, her full testimony and, yeah. and his, which was a very long day. Oh, my day, God. A I... very long day. But I remember uh, in some of the questioning, like, I just have this distinct memory of her talking about the hippocampus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, she knows. She knows, she knows how the brain works. Yes. She knows. Like you could have not had a more a, a better t- person to come and make that kind of a testimony because she was like emotionally available, clearly mm-hmm. traumatized, clearly like as somebody who's listened to a lot of true crime stuff, mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. like if somebody can emotionally and physically put themselves in this situation and map out where they were, mm-hmm. it like it doesn't really matter that she can't remember the day, the 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 fact that she can remember where she was mm-hmm. and put herself there, like that speaks to the validity of her statement. But then she's also has the, her psychology background. Sure. Like you could not ask for a more, and she had been talking about it to her own psychiatrist. Yeah. Who had documented it. Like she yep. had said years before that this had happened. Like you could not ask for a better witness. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, sorry. Okay. It's okay. I'm going to um, name my daughter Christine. I just think she's so fantastic. Look, we love it. Okay, so then on September 27th, 2018, as we've spoken about, Kavanaugh and Ford testified during an all-day hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, and as we famously remember, Republicans hire a special prosecutor to do the questioning of Dr. Ford. They were right. There was like a lot of talk about trying to avoid what peop- what the Democrats, or no. Yeah, what the, yeah, what the Democrats did, did to Anita, Anita Hill. Hill. Um, uh, you know, and specifically like somebody who gets still problems for it today is Joe Biden. Yeah. For, you know, the questioning and, and how awful they sounded. So they're, the Republicans this time were like, cool, we just won't, yeah. we won't engage other. And they put the special prosecutor in front who, you know, like the question, like to me, I, I didn't see necessarily other than the Republicans not looking like assholes asking questions of Dr. Ford, I didn't mm-hmm. see really any sort of like big gotcha moment from yeah. using the special prosecutor. I was just like, cool. She just asked like some no, questions. She just and- asked some questions. And I felt like she was trying to be respectful. Yeah. Well, she and, yeah. Tra- and trying, but like also trying to, in the subtlest way she could, like try to undermine her, which is her job. Sure. Like try to undermine Christine Blasey Ford. But <laughs> Christine Blasey Ford was so just like innocent sitting sure. there. Like she was just like, I'm sorry, I don't 
I don't understand. Can you repeat that? Like, yeah, she just anytime that where there possibly could have been a moment where the prosecutor was like, and and you actually think this or you like anytime she could have possibly undermined her. Dr. Ford was like, I, I'm, I'm really sorry. I just, I'm, I'm trying to understand what your, what your question is. Like she yeah. just kind of disarmed her with her niceness yeah. and you're like, okay. It was after, after that testimony, I remember thinking like, there's no way he gets through. Because it was yeah. so damning. Yeah, it was. And with that said, if you're cool with it, I was going to read an excerpt of Dr. Ford's opening statement. Hmm. Sure. And so this is what uh, Dr. Ford said happened that night. <clears throat> when I got to the small gathering, pe- people were drinking beer in a small living room on the first floor of the house. I drank one beer that evening. Brett and Mark were visibly drunk. Early in the evening, I went up to a ne- I went up a narrow set of stairs leading from the living room to a second floor to use the bathroom. When I got to the top of the stairs, I was pushed from behind into a bedroom. I couldn't see who pushed me. Brett and Mark came into the bedroom and locked the door behind them. There was music already playing in the bedroom. It was turned up louder by either Brett or Mark once we were in the room. I was pushed onto the bed and Brett got on top of me. He began running his hands over my body and grinding his hips into me. I yelled, hoping someone downstairs might hear me, and tried to get away from him, but his weight was heavy. Brett groped me and tried to take off my clothes. He had a hard time because he was so drunk and because I was wearing a one-piece bathing suit under my clothes. I believed he was going to rape me. I tried to yell for help. When I did, Brett put his hand over my mouth to stop me from screaming. This was what terrified me the most, and he had the most lasting and had and has had the most lasting impact on my life. It was hard for me to breathe, and I thought that Brett was accidentally going to kill me. Both Brett and Mark were drunkenly laughing during the attack. They both seemed to be having a good time. Mark was urging Brett on, although at times he told Brett to stop. A couple of times I made eye contact with Mark and thought he might try to help me, but he did not. Like, there's a lot of details. There's so many details. There's a lot of details. Like, it's just, it's so, (sighs) response to sexual assault culture is so angrily frustrating. Yep. And, like, there's so many details in this. And, like, women get berated all the time because they can't remember Mm. specific details. Right. And yet you have a woman here with specific details. Right. Specific details. Specific details. I remember I was walking home. I was walking to Penn Station one night from a friend's house. And I was going home on the train. And I was talking to my mother. And I was walking, talking on this on my cell phone. And I passed a guy who seemed completely innocuous. I didn't even really pay attention to him. And as I was passing, he literally reached around and grabbed my butt. Mm. And I was like, and I turned around and I was like, what, like what, A, what just happened? And B, I looked at the man and he seemed like I was not going to pick a fight with him. He Mm. was taller than me, like, like, looked mentally unstable enough that I was like, I'm not going to pick a fight with this individual. But like I can remember what part of the block I was on, yeah. what it felt like, what time of day it was approximately. But like I couldn't tell you what day it was and what I was wearing. Yeah. You know, like I there are certain things that stick in your memory because that's the like you associate your emotions to those mm-hmm. things. There are so many details in here. Yeah. And she was what, fifteen? Yeah. Sixteen? Like a teenager. Yeah. 
you know? And and that's the other part of it. People are like, why didn't you say it like say something then? Right. Like, she's a teenager. She's a teenager. She's a t- and it's not like it's now. No, it is not like it, it is, is now. Not now. I mean, I think people forget, like it is very like there are people who people are afraid to come forward now. Yeah. There's it was very different. Yeah. There are like no icons. No. For women to look to to be like, okay, well, you know, this person has stood up. This person, you know, there's no right. movements. There's no like there's nothing. There's no training. <laughs> there's no infrastructure. I mean, there's there's, there's really no infrastructure. Yeah. Like there's, Law and Order SVU is not on the area. Like no, Mariska Hargitay is not. An She's influencer. not in the the sphere. So no. it's like fictionally or realistically, there's nothing. Yeah. So I just wanted to read that because yeah. again, I, just, I still want to hug her. Like yeah. that whole watching that whole thing, I was just was like, I, I I want to give you so many hugs. Yeah. Okay, back to the timeline. Um, so the. You know, is this of his confirmation? Yes, we're okay. still in his confirmation. So on the twenty seventh was when they gave both of them gave their testimony, and then on the twenty eighth, uh, GOP Senator Jeff Flake, a member of the D- Judiciary Committee, agrees to vote yes, paving the way to a floor vote. But he says the FBI should reopen its background investigation of Kavanaugh and spend a week long looking into the claims made by Kavanaugh accusers. So you remember he was the one who was screamed oh, at right, right, right. in an elevator, right, by uh, sexual assault survivors. Yeah. Trump later agrees to direct the FBI to reopen its background check, but the probe will be limited in scope and must be completed in one week. Right. So then on October 3rd, 2018, the FBI completes its supplemental background check and sends the information to the Senate late that day. So this is what, five days later? Yeah. On October 4th, the Wall Street Journal publishes an op-ed by Kavanaugh in which he argues that he is an independent impartial judge he expresses regret for a few of his statements during the september 27th hearing explaining that he was frustrated and emotional he pledges going forward that litigants and colleagues will be treated with respect the same day retired justice john paul stevens says that kavanaugh's comments during his confirmation hearing suggest bias yes Stevens says kavanaugh should not serve on the supreme court no that was the thing like at the end of the day you can put a pin in Dr. Blasey Ford. Like, her, his own conduct, you don't even have to deal with her. Sure. His own conduct during his hearing was should disqual- should have disqualified him from serving on yeah. the bench. Well, I guess people, Absolutely. The, the argument that I've heard is like, well, this is a man who's like fighting for his reputation. And I'm like, I, I, hear, I hear that. Like, these are serious allegations. Like, right. I hear that. I hear that. But had... Like the reason why I guess I'm sort I sort of like roll my eyes a little bit is like had Dr. Blasey Ford, the victim, shown any amount of sort of anger, right? Had any sort of flare up, right? She would have been immediately dismissed, right? Immediately dismissed at yeah. all credibility. Yeah. And it's like I get that you are upset at the allegations that are thrown at you. Like, yeah. sure, you these, don't want to deal with them. You don't want to deal with them. No. It sucks. Like, whatever. But like you're still, it's still a job interview, right? Like it's, it's also, a, it's an uncomfortable job interview, right. but it's still a job interview. She, he, like she also didn't. She testified and relayed her story and her experience of the event that happened to her when she was a teenager. She didn't say anything accusatory or negative against him as a person now no he literally she literally just talked about her experience right she talked about her experience and he in in his testimony 
attacked Amy Klobuchar, who is a senator from another branch that he would be serving on, who is sitting in front of her, in mm-hmm. front of him. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I, this is how you're dealing under pressure. And I get it. It's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. But that is, it is a, it is a testimony to your character or lack thereof that in the moment of pressure, your response is not to say, okay, I'm going to take that in and I'm going to have a thought. I'm going to process it internally and I'm going to respond mm-hmm. in a constructive manner. And maybe it won't be positive, but it won't be negative and attacking. He took it and immediately flipped it and attacked Amy Klobuchar. And you're like, yeah, my response to that, like, I don't know how you trust him to make dis- to make ethical decisions when you can't you he can't see the forest for the trees like yeah. you can't just turn around and attack somebody and then be given the highest job in the land i mean i guess you can cuz he's sitting on the bench but like it's really it, it i i don't understand yeah and if he had said you know what back in high school i used to drink some i went to parties and i'm i don't remember doing this but it's you know I could have been drunk and I don't remember. And I am sorry. I apologize. Like, I feel like it would have gone a long way. He was always going to get through, but like make it less messy. Just own yeah. up to it. Or you don't even have to own up to it just to say it could have happened. And sure. if it happened in this way, I don't remember. And I am so sorry. Accountability is a tricky thing sometimes, isn't I know. it? I isn't know. it? So then... After the, you know, five-day-long FBI investigation. Oh, my God. It's so long. It's the longest, you know? So long. Mm -hmm. On October 6, 2018, the Senate confirms Kavanaugh with a 50 to 48 vote. Notable votes were Democrat Joe Manchin Mm -hmm. and Susan Collins voting yes, Mm -hmm. and then Lisa Murkowski voting present. Mm -hmm. He is sworn in by Chief Justice John Roberts during a private ceremony shortly after. And then I pulled this thing because Lisa Murkowski's vote was interesting. Yeah. Because I just I, I just thought she voted president. It was like, whatever, whatever. But this is it from. It was calculated. It was calculated. Yeah. And it, this was from, who is this from? Jennifer Victor at Vox. Mm-hmm. So this is what is interesting about it. Murkowski used a procedure that is used that used to be more common in the Senate called pairing. Pairing occurs when two senators make an agreement to allow their votes to cancel yeah. each other out. In Murkowski's case, she had paired with Montana Republican Steve Daines, yep. Daines, whose daughter was getting married on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Daines could not return in time for the vote without missing his daughter's big day, and the party leadership did not want to hold the vote longer than was necessary. Yep. But it turned out that neither Murkowski's or Daines' votes were critical to the outcome. Kavanaugh would be confirmed regardless of what either of them did, so Murkowski offered to pair with Daines so that he could attend the wedding and vote, and the vote could be processed as scheduled Saturday afternoon. By voting present, Murkowski gave Dane some political cover for missing the vote, since his absent yay didn't hurt the party cause. Mm-hmm. Murkowski didn't need to vote nay to achieve the desired effect, although functionally she might as well have, since her action did not help the candidate, but it did help Dane's. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. I'm just like... <laughs> Just everything going on. I'm like, can you two, like, can we just, <laughs> just stop with this? There's yep. so much craziness going around. Okay. So that is the confirmation. Yep. He is now on the bench. I pulled some notable cases because we have to talk about notable cases. There are some interesting things here. And th- this cool. first one is actually interesting. This is from when he was on the, on the court of DC circuit. 
Um, oh, okay. Yes. Oh, yeah, 2011. Yeah. So this is Seven Sky v. Holder. Um, so this was the case. It was a forerunner. Oh, this is all from OEAs, by the way. It was a forerunner to the landmark Supreme Court ruling. A three-judge panel decided two to one that Obamacare's individual mandate was constitutional. While Kavanaugh dissented from the main opinion, Ugh. he did not go as far as declaring Obamacare unconstitutional. Instead, he argued that the court was not yet in a position to hear the case because under an arcane 19th century law known as the Tax Anti-Injunction Act, courts d- could not hear challenges to a tax that had not been collected yet, and thus any decision would have to wait until 2015 when taxpayers had to file mandate penalties for the first time. <laughs> That's funny. In summary, Kavanaugh didn't uphold Obamacare, but he did not take the opportunity to strike it down either. So this was one of the That's- things when they were looking at Kavanaugh as a um, as a potential Supreme Court nominee that more conservative folks were actually concerned about because right it notates and you kind of see this a little bit now although he's you know still fresh on the bench right that he is a little more swingy yeah than I think conservatives would like him to be yeah. But what ended up happening with this case is this is something that Chief Justice John Roberts used as sort of to lay out uh, upholding yeah, uh, the individual mandate part of it. Mm. It just sort of helped lay the groundwork for that decision. I love that conservatives don't like this decision because he didn't take the opportunity to like stab it in the, in the jugular when he could. Yeah. They're like, literally- you didn't kick somebody when they're down? Fuck you. Yeah. They're like, because I mean, honestly, because it could have had severe repercussions if yeah. he like out, you know, I yeah. mean, even though it was a two to one and it was already being ruled as constitutional, like right. to have like a full dissent being like, he, it's not. And here's why. Right. To lay some sort of framework. Right. It, you know, it, it think it was a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Another notable case that happened, I think, in 2018. This was one that was talked about a lot in his confirmation. Um, It was. Oh Garza my God, I remember Cargan. this. Yeah. Oh. So Rochelle Garza represented the 17-year-old girl known as Jane Doe in the case Garza v. Hargan. The case began as a suit against the Office of Refugee Resettlement, the ORR, because we love an acronym, over their decision to block Jane, who was detained in an ORR facility, from receiving an abortion. They did so by refusing to transport her to her appointment even after she received the proper approval from a judge. I just feel like you don't get to decide. And sure you do. You sure you do. What is law and order? <laughs> Initially, a state court, a Texas state court judge ordered that Jane Doe be permitted to leave custody to obtain the abortion, right. given that she had obtained the proper judicial bypass to undergo the procedure without parental consent and had secured private funding to pay for it. I'm sorry. She did better than Marbury. No, she didn't. She, <laughs> she got the right paperwork. She got all of the paperwork. The right this is a Marbury she mood. Right she money. literally got everything. Get it's just it, girl. proving that like even women who go through all of the steps can't get what's legally their right. Right. Okay. The ORR appealed the state court decision to federal court, which is where Kavanaugh came in. As part of a three-judge panel for the Federal Appeals Court for the District of Columbia Circuit, Kavanaugh ruled to invalidate the state judge's order. It was eventually overruled by a full panel of judges on the court where Kavanaugh dissented. So Kavanaugh invalidated and then that and then the full panel judges overruled Kavanaugh's invalidation. Thank God. 
And in his dissent, Kavanaugh stated that the decision to overturn was, quote, ultimately based on a constitutional principle as novel as it is wrong, a new right for unlawful immigrant minors in the U.S. government detention to obtain immediate abortion on demand. Don't you love that? Wait, what? He said that the that this new principle right. that is it's wrong. wrong. Yeah. For an unlawful immigrant, unlawful mi- minor immigrant, immigrant minor of the in the U.S. government detention to obtain an immediate abortion on demand. That is I know it's like a real it's a really big mischaracterization of what's happening here. Right. But we love buzzwords. It's also the laws of the land of the laws of the land. Like just because you like you're on our soil, our lives, our laws apply to you, good and bad. Sure. Look, you don't have to convince me. No. <laughs> um, listen, Lizzie. I know. And how this panned out is she ended up be- getting the abortion anyways. She did. I mean, I don't think actually never legally I, or or like like she somehow she, while this is she, happening, she got an abortion. And so it sort it. of like invalidated everything because she just was able to as women have to do, right. find a way. Well, I remember this happening and they were they kept dragging it out and I was like they're going to make her have this baby. No, nah, she ended like, up getting she's it. only got so much time because it's not. Yeah, we do have a time limit. There's that's, a time limit. It's so interesting. And it's not nine months. It No, no, it's not. So I also it's just like interesting to me. I'm like, there was a Texas state court judge who was like, yeah, she did everything she was supposed to right. do. Give her the abortion. Let's elevate that man. I'm like, come on. <laughs> or woman. Who is this person? Let's I don't know, but I'm person. like, if, if, if there's hope. <laughs> there's hope out there. I'm like, you mean to tell me that a Texas state court judge made a wrong decision about abortion? Like, what? That's so crazy. Oh, man. A right one. A right one. Sorry. Yes. A right one. Okay. So another. Okay. Now we're on the Supreme Court. Okay. So this is Harry Shine Sheen Inc. Versus Archer and White Sales Inc. <laughs> this first his first year on the court. Ink so uh, the reason why I'm putting this here is because this is Kavanaugh's first written opinion of the oh. court, and it's it's kind of a lame one. Um, but this is what it is. <laughs> the ruling reversed an appeals court opinion that had allowed a court to decide whether an issue in contract between a dental equipment manufacturer and a distributor should be decided by. Don't say it. You know this word. Our patrician mom. <laughs> Our producer Kate mouthed it to me. Arbitration. Well, look, not there's tritian. a lot. Arbitration? Yeah. Arbitration? Yeah. That's not a word. It's so a word. I'm so mad. <laughs> I both my mom's being like, arbitration. Arbitration. <laughs> it, lo- it looks like arbitration. Sue me. It doesn't matter. We're talking about dental equipment. It really, I, this is so specific in a weird way. I know. Announcing his ruling from the bench, Kavanaugh used the word arbitrability 13 times. Is that in a word? Arbitrability? I don't know. You ask oh Justice we're Kavanaugh. Looking, we're looking this up. Arbitrability. I am, it has to be a word. I can't imagine he'd use not a word 13 times. I mean, come on. I know I don't, we don't like him, but you got to be able to use the right words. Arbitrability? Yeah. Arbitrability. Concerns whether a type of dispute can be can or cannot be settled by arbitration. I mean, it is what you think it is. I mean, it just sounds made up. I get yeah. that it's real. It just sounds like a fake word. Oh, for sure. And uh, it just because he's saying it and he used it so many times, it's a little arbitra- bit like 
arbitrability. It's like, Brett, you're on the nose. <laughs> also, the other sort of boring thing, this was a fully unanimous decision. And John was just like, hey, Brett, <laughs> you want to take this one, <laughs> buddy? Do you think you, you want to do this one? I'm going to just knock it to you. Okay. Oh, you got it. Try to, but try to use arbitrability less than 20 times. And Brett's like, got it. <laughs> do you think he turned in the first draft and, like, and John, John was like, like, no. Brett. Uh, <laughs> too, too many, too many arbitrations. <laughs> too many, too many exclamation points. Oh, man. Take them I, out. I will say, I, I, I think at this point I've read almost everybody's writing. I haven't had the pleasure of reading Brett's yet. Because I, I try, quite simply didn't want to read this one. <laughs> Because I just, I'm like, give me something, give me something jazzy. Yeah. You know, when Brad gets something jazzy, I will read that. Yeah. But it just, just seems very boring. Yeah. But I mean, I guess it's normal to be like your first written opinion of the court. Right, right, like right. Like you want to throw them a softball. You know, like right. we're not going to just give Brett gerrymandering. Right. That would be very. The 5-4 decision on yeah, abortion that happens yeah. Although I'm like, you could have given him like a, you know. I mean, a little Something bit more like sexy than more. dental equipment. I know this is the least sexy like case I've ever seen. Okay. Another sort of interesting thing in December of his first year, Kavanaugh joined Roberts in declining to hear abortion cases from Louisiana and Kansas. Something that you uh, Oh, we talked about those. Yeah, we mm-hmm. have. Something that I think in his first year on the like his first full year on the bench, he sided with John Roberts, ninety four percent of the time, like that's the person he sides oh, with wow. the most. Yeah, and people are like, either he's like gonna be a, another key swing vote, yeah, which kind of based on his, I mean, he's not an Alito and he's not no. a Thomas, no, and he's not really a Gorsuch. I feel like actually Gorsuch and Thomas are much more like, what does the Constitution say? Right. Literally, right. And Alito's just to step up, and then John Roberts is like, let's just take. Oh, let's just broaden a little bit more, but right. only sometimes, right. only when I want to. Right. So, like, he could be a key swing vote like Roberts, but also it's apparently kind of usual for somebody to side with the the chief justice as kind of like a oh, like a safety, not a safety thing, but just like right, like making, like not making controversial decisions, decisions. You know, because if you're siding with the the chief just it's like what are we gonna do go like brett's like yeah oh, this is classic brett it's you know you're yeah. probably gonna actually go after john roberts first right i also feel like it feels like there are uh issues that he's much more willing to be swinging on sure he's more willing to swing for like yeah a health care whereas abortion i feel like he would take the opportunity to like stab you in the jugular sure but but i think only if the other conservative justices are too I I what uh, I would argue is if John Roberts is like actually it's a no for me uh, like like right. no more abortion Kavanaugh would be like you know what no more abortion mm. whereas if John Roberts were to be like I'm gonna I'm gonna swing I'm gonna swing on this one then I would I would bet Kavanaugh would swing I like in his first couple of years yeah it would be interesting to me on something as controversial and especially considering yeah where he is coming from yeah. I would be surprised. I would be surprised. I don't know. I'd be surprised. I and I also would imagine that if he were to like, you know, say no to abortion, that he would write some sort of individual either yes. concurring opinion or or yeah. concurring dissent. Yeah, that would be like just his. Yep. I think they all would. Yep. So let's just hope we don't have to go there, guys. Oh my god. Okay. So this is another one on the on the Supreme Court that I found interesting. Mm-hmm. 
And this is Garza v. Idaho. Love when Idaho's in the picture. We don't hear about him a lot. No, we don't. So on, this, is, this is the facts of the case. On January 23rd, 2015, Gilberto? Gilberto? Do we think? Gilberto. Gilbert? <laughs> Gilberto Garza Jr. entered an Alford plea, that it, which is a plea maintaining innocent but conceding that the evidence is likely to convince a jury of guilt beyond a reasonable doubt to aggravated assault. On February 24th, 2015, he pled guilty to the possession of a controlled substance with the intent to deliver. Both plea agreements required Garza to waive his right of appeal. The district court accepted the plea agreements and imposed a sentence in accordance with both of them. Shortly after sentencing, Garza informed his trial counsel that he wished to appeal, but counsel declined to file the appeal, citing Garza's waivers. Four months after he was convicted and sentenced, Garza filed a petition for a post-conviction relief in each case, alleging that his trial attorney was ineffective oh. for not filing notices of appeal. This seems super shady. Garza's attorney sl- stated in an affidavit that he did not file an appeal because Garza had waived his right to appeal by accepting the plea agreement. You signed the papers! But, uh, so, the district court dismissed Garza's petition to open the appeal period, appeals period on the basis of ineffective assistance of counsel, and the appellate court affirmed the dismissal under Roe v. Flores Ortega, which is, a crim- which is criminal defendants have a Sixth Amendment right to a reasonably effective legal assistance. A defendant claiming an effective assistance of counsel must show, one, that counsel's representation was deficient, and Mm -hmm. two, that counsel's deficient performance prejudiced the defendant. Generally, counsel's failure to file an appeal at a criminal defendant's request is professionally unreasonable and therefore deficient, and most federal circuit courts interpret Flores-Ortega to mean attorneys are ineffective when they do not file an appeal if clients request it, regardless of whether defendants had waived their rights. So the Supreme Court ruled 6-3 in favor of the defendant with Kavanaugh joining Roberts and the other liberal justices in the decision. So it's like, yeah, he waived his rights, but generally if your client asks you to still appeal, you have to file it. And if you don't file it and they've asked you to, it's it's deficient. I love a good paperwork fight. Look, we love, it always comes back to paperwork. It always comes back to paperwork. But that's another one where it's like, that's a bit of a liberal ruling. Right, to to vote to support the defendant, defendant, who in this case is a criminal. For sure. And yeah. not the court of law. Sure. And it's also like, there. this is a lot of interpreting, because ha- as this said, it's like, courts have generally interpreted the Flores-Ortega case to mean that if you don't file even if your client has waived their rights, it's inefficient. Like that's like, it's not necessarily written anywhere, but right. that's what's always been like traditional. So you see somebody like Thomas and Gorsuch being like, this isn't written anywhere. Right. He waived it. He waived it. What we're supposed to, we're supposed to assume that because the client didn't, or the attorney didn't file that that's deficient. Where is that written? Right. Show me the text. Give me the book. Give, Give me the book. Me Bring me the book. Where's the book? Me the book. Bring me the book. It's not there. So that's that's what I have. That's what I. That's, that's so much that you. That was a lot that you had. This I did this on the day, leading up to me getting food poisoning. Well, thank God this was in the afternoon, as apparently it was brewing along. <laughs> but uh, obviously, I mean, I do, I do think that you know, I mean, 
Kavanaugh's 55 years old. He's he's we're, he's we've, there we've for, got a him for a while. He's but, there for a while. Uh, Such a shame. I do think that we will see him a solidifying like who he. I feel like he. We, nobody knows who he is as a justice yet because I mean, yeah. quite simply, he's just been there a very short amount of time. Yeah. But I think once we start seeing more landmark key cases, which we do have decisions of those coming up in the spring of this year, mm-hmm. you know, we have a lot of very stressful decisions being made. I think we're going to start seeing where he actually falls in the line of like liberal versus conservative. Like, right. I don't even think there is a in that test that I usually use to to show how conservative versus how liberal people are. I don't think he's even fully on there yet because there's just not enough you can't tell yeah material but i do know that 94 percent of the time he leans with roberts which indicates a swingish vote yep but we'll see we'll see what he wants to swing on right good because that's also a thing could be anything you know like john john will swing on pretty much kind of similar things Mm -hmm. but what's brett who is brett we don't know we know but we don't know it's so much fun. Yeah. Can't wait to find out. But that, that is that. We did it. We did it. You did it. I did it. That I did it. Justice Brett Kavanaugh. That is Justice Brett Kavanaugh. <sighs> yeah. You know. It's done. Look, it's done. It's done. It's Guys, completed. we did it. No, but we have, we have two. So we have two more. We have two more have left. Two more. Alito and RBG. And you know what? And then, and then who are we going to do? People who are, have passed, I feel will be fun. I think that'd be real. Like, I would love to do a Sandra Day O'Connor. Oh, hells yeah. Hells to the yeah. I would uh, love to hello, do- John Marshall. Yes. Like, let's Chief go Justice John Marshall. Back. Let's, go, let's go back. Let's I look at our problematic like expand- friends of yore. Yes. I also feel like we could expand and cover other, like, famous senators of the past. Oh. Do you know what I mean? You guys, like- this is what I want to say. Call to action right here, right now. And this, this so troubling episode. Is if there's a figure you want us to cover, let us know. Well, ha- I'm happy to cover. We have we have done we have done episodes based on on listener requests before, mm-hmm. and hell hell yeah, we'll do it again. I love covering individual people, except this one. I usually have a great time with it. Yeah, especially it's really fun. yeah. So if there's somebody here like I want to know more about Hamanasha, yeah, then you just shout it to the rooftops. Even and by that I mean tweet it, tweet Instagram, it. text me. I don't know. I don't care. You know me. <laughs> She'll respond. I'll respond. <laughs> Even if you think it's boring, because what we found out is like, oh, it's never take boring. Take a topic, name any topic. Two that words. You think- Stephen Breyer. Much, very interesting very individual. Interesting. <laughs> a, sh- a, a dark horse in this race. <laughs> <laughs> very shocking. Very shocking. And there's always stuff that you. Even if you think you know about a topic, you don't know. You don't know. I've you been have shocked. No idea. One word: pirates. Pirates. Who saw that coming? Oh, every day person. that we record. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So yeah, let us know because I'm I'm always down. I'm always yeah. down to like, what do we have to do? You know, like I'll research it. Yeah, I'm not busy. <laughs> happy to learn. Always happy to learn. Always happy to learn. But in the meantime, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, I know it was tough and I, you know, hope that you learned something and that we all just sort of come together as a collective and say we will do better. But we love you so, so much. And if you liked what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. You can rate us. You can review us. You can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye. Goodbye.